0: In this week's episode of Studio Inter we'll be discussing Inter's win over Lazio the defeat against Juventus we'll be discussing with Sheridan Bird from Juve TV we'll be previewing the Derby della Madonnina this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog and much much more everything here on Studio Inter on sempre Inter.com Benvenuti, bentornati, to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima who is feeling really rather good about himself uh, and life in general, as I'm sure most Inter fans are this Monday when we are recording this. Uh, but before we get to all of that, let me introduce my panelists, starting with the Semperinter.com preview writer, who I think no longer is the only person who can claim lay claim to the title Mr. Positivity, Mr. Mohamed Nasser.
1: Yeah, 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 it's all fun and games to say that you're positive when you're sitting uh, pretty at the top of the table. Huh? The hard, work, the hard work when you're pulling up, uh, trying to come up to first. But anyway, yeah, I know it's great to be here. Great feeling. Uh, I think uh, absolutely deserved. So looking, really looking forward to getting to getting into this uh, podcast for sure.
0: And we're also joined by our resident refereeing expert. He's a producer over on TSN in Canada, Mr. Michael Gallo.
2: I woke up this morning with a big smile on my face.
0: <laughs> I'm and, sure it
2: did, and that smile is still there right now. It's been a few hours. I'm excited, I'm happy, and I'm glad. I'm excited to talk with you guys about uh, the last uh, the week or so with uh, with Inter.
0: And we're also joined by Semperinter.com's uh, chief news editor, Mr. William Beckman, who I surprise, who I suspect is also very happy. I
3: am, but I would I would just say on on Mo, if if I were Mo, I'd do an, I'd do a sort of Conte after Bergamo at the moment. You know, oh now you're all coming aboard the bandwagon. <laughs> Where were you when it was tough? You know. I've been I've been traveling elite for six months, and you have protected me.
0: Antonio Nassar, Mohamed yeah. Conte, whichever you prefer. <laughs> he he
3: he would he would be well within his rights to do that.
0: Yes, he would. But well, we're going to get into all of that because we have so much to talk about. We have a very special guest. He he uh, who comes on uh, quite every so every now and again on Studio Inter. He's the English commentator for Juventus TV. Welcome back, Mr. Sheridan Bird. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Good
4: evening, everybody.
0: Good, good to have you. I mean, let's let's start with the uh, with the Juventus Inter uh, of the past. Well, fourteen days, I guess you can say. I was. I want to ask you a little bit about that because, I mean, you, I'm assuming you commented the Juventus Inter game, uh, the return leg on at the Allianz Stadium. Um, I'm I'm keen to, to 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 hear your thoughts about both of these ties. Um, I personally thought the game was kind of the, the tie was over after Juve won away uh, against uh, at the San Siro and and for me it was kind of just playing out the cards at uh, at the Juventus at Allianz Stadium as it's now called. Um, I'm keen to hear what your thoughts were uh, about these two matches.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. It was over after the first leg because um, not all of your listeners might know, but away goals do count in the Coppa Italia. I've always found away goals in domestic competitions to be a nonsense because they have it in the League Cup or they did it for a long time in England in the League Cup, which I think is you know away goals in the same country. If you're talking about Juventus and Inter, away goals 45 minutes away on the train seems a little bit weird. But anyway, they, that is the rule. And uh, yeah, Juventus were already through. Second leg, I think, for Inter was more about putting on a good show, restoring the pride and and giving themselves some belief more than anything. Um and they did that, I and mean, they didn't win, but nil-nil at Juventus, not many teams will do that, so I thought, like you, they were already out, but it was important that they went to the Allianz Stadium and gave a good account of themselves, and, you know, to be quite honest, they, they looked at the same level as Juventus, um, which is probably what they want to, well, they want to be at the level above, but you know what I mean, they didn't look out of their depth, Mm, For sure. Um, There were quite a bit of controversy uh,
0: surrounding uh, this tie, uh, especially the return leg. And I, for one, having grown up with a, a Serie A where Inter and Juve and Milan are always fighting for titles at the top and the animosity and childishness and pettiness... For me, this was beautiful. Listening, you know, hearing the way that Conte was insulted and the way that he flipped the bird back—not uh, your kind of bird, but the more rude kind of bird—and um, and and then the the subsequent, you know, back and forth between them and and the ruckus that ensued. Um, I'm, I'm keen to hear what you think about all of this.
4: Well, no, I mean, like you in a sense that uh, we're seasoned enough to remember when football wasn't as sanitized and mm. it wasn't as um as uh, user friendly. Um, yeah, it was I would say it was relatively amusing to see grown wealthy grown, <laughs> grown men acting like teenagers. um it was just it was just silliness, but the stakes were high. And you know what you get with Antonio Conte, as as people have been saying for years, uh, you know, particularly you, you uh, Nima, that he is a, a passionate man from the south of Italy. Um, and Anieli <laughs> and Nedved and Paratici were obviously very happy that they'd uh, navigated their way to uh, another final. So, yeah, fireworks were to be expected. It wasn't vicious or nasty. It was just, you know, silly men who'd had some had had the, their pride hurt. Others were trying to rub their old colleague and in some cases friend's nose in it so yeah I, I agree with you in a sense that it was it was amusing to see it, you know it didn't go overboard thankfully and uh, it made some headlines and um, yeah every now and then it's good to see that kind of thing if it's controlled and not, not if it spills over.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to hand you over to Mo, did you have a question for Sheridan?
1: Yeah Sheridan um, uh, so now uh, we can uh, do a little mini gloat but you know, of course, uh, you know, no, no one wants to count their uh, their chickens or their eggs before they hatch. But um, so I want to ask you now that uh, Inter are maybe possibly putting some real distance, genuine distance between uh, between themselves and Juventus. Who who is Juventus? Who are Juventus this season? We've seen a lot of different uh, permutations or, or or versions of the same squad. On the same team, uh, expressing football differently, expressing you know attitude differently, and and results differently, the Juventus that we saw against Inter at the San Siro in the Coppa is definitely not the Juventus that showed up at the San Siro in the in 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 the in the league, and is definitely not the Juventus that traveled to the uh, the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium over the weekend. So wh- who is Juventus? Do you guys know? Is there is there an identity that they're trying to figure out? Or is there a, a, um, a... What's up? What's the deal?
4: Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's still the team with the best defence and the best individual defenders. I don't think that's beyond doubt. Um, Giorgio Chiellini, I think, temporarily forgot about the VAR on Saturday. But, um, you know, he's still... He's been brilliant this season, I have to say. Um so I still think it's the best team. If you go man for man, it's still, to me, the best team um, in Serie A. They're trying to play a more um, possession-based, quick-moving, passing football. You hear Pirlo from the sidelines for every match imploring his players to move the ball quickly. So they are trying to change uh, the way they play. Um, you know, And also, for those who like tactics, who like football in general, like Serie A fans, for example... Watching the shapes that Andrea Pirlo has employed, uh, particularly in defence, I think it has been quite interesting. Um, but it's still, a, to me, it's still a work in progress. Morata's gone a bit quiet since the new year. has uh, obviously been injured. Um, but you know, I still think they're. I still think they are a dangerous team for fans of Inter or Milan in terms of the Scudetto. I still, I still, I still think. There's a long way to go. I know. I know Inter are very happy about Cap, being capolista because I live in Milan. So all I've had all day is people saying we're top of the <laughs> league, and I've said enjoy it. I, you know they should genuinely enjoy it because um, it's nice for them to uh, you know to have uh, some time in the sun. The derby is going to be absolutely massive. I am looking forward to watching that. at three o'clock derby. I'm sure Nima can correct me if I'm wrong. But it'll be a three o'clock Central European Derby. I'm looking forward to watching that with uh, with friends. Um, so yeah, I still think, despite all that, though, I still think Juventus you can't write them off. You you can never write them off, really. You can't. And it's a long way to go. The gap isn't that far. Inter's advantage, though, which I'm sure we'll get into later, or you guys will, is the fact that they have they have taken the wise decision to extricate themselves from the cup competitions. <laughs> um, so oh, no, but
1: do, my, my question, yeah. sh- sorry, just to, to follow on Sheridan, mm-hmm. what I mean is, is, is this, so maybe I, I didn't uh, articulate my, my, my question well enough, but do you feel that this is a team that is, um, that there is a project to build on or is this a, a, a transitional period? Is, is this, are there enough building blocks for Pirlo to build a new project on or is this Going to be a couple of seasons of transition under Pirlo or under someone else's guidance. I think this is this is really uh, w- what I what I meant uh, to ask. You know, uh, is th- is there do is, you, you see something there that you believe that Juventus can build on for the coming three or four or five years, or is this a real end of a cycle with uh, you know uh, with Ronaldo aging? Uh, uh, you know. Uh, Whatever you know, the midfield uh, midfield woes we, we we know we know all about uh, Juventus's uh, midfield uh, woes ever since uh, they lost Pogba and Vidal etc. So so is there is there something that can be built on today, or does the club need to go through a couple of years of transition now and rebuild for a couple of seasons later?
4: Well, I think the first answer to that is that clubs like Juventus and. Where they see themselves, i.e. Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, don't have they don't get two seasons to rebuild. So I'm not contradicting you for the sake of it, but yeah, you know, they they don't allow themselves this much time. I think the building blocks are there. I think if you take away um, Chiellini and Bonucci, which I know Nima would like to do, you <laughs> still you still have a very very impressive central defensive partnership in De Ligt and Demiral. Then in midfield, you have McKennie, who's looked a bit tired the last few weeks, but is still an incredible prospect. And then you have um, Federico Chiesa, who uh, is perhaps not making tons of friends outside uh, half of Turin, but is still an incredible player. Uh, ben Tankour is a young man. So to answer your question, I think the building blocks are there. Um, and that's why I think they've got they've got the future already sort of bedded in. Plus the old veterans, like you said, like Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Gigi Buffon for the Cup um, and the defenders I mentioned. So to be quite honest, I just don't think there's going to be a, se- a season of transition for two reasons. One, the players who are the next generation have already got a lot of games under their belt. And two, big clubs can't have transitions because you can get left behind. We- we've seen it happen. It's, um, there's no time for big transitions at um, or long transitions. At big clubs, no, they certainly isn't.
0: Um, Mike, did you have a question for Sheridan?
2: Yes, Sheridan. Uh, here, my question for you is if you may don't win the Scudetto and say they don't win Champions League, and you know, even if they win Copa Italia or not, who do you think the blame will be on? Like, I'd say, like, majority wise, in terms of like. Is the season a failure if they don't if they don't win the scudetto? Like, would it, would Pirlo come out as the, the kind of like the scapegoat, as in being most of the fault is on him? Would it be the players, Zignelli? Like Who do you think the majority of the blame will
4: go on? Well, a lot depends on the Champions League. To be quite honest, I would say if they don't win the scudetto, but they do win the Coppa Italia, and they get to the semi final of the Champions League and lose with honour, so to speak. Uh, I, I think Pirlo will get um, a lot of. Uh, I, I think he'll. I think he'll get a lot of latitude in the sense that I think the people behind the scenes like what he's done so far. So unless things go very very wrong in the Champions League, which we know they can do at Juventus, and I, I'm sure that's a source of amusement for you guys, least um, for most of Italy. But things can. When things go wrong in terms of Champions League football, Juventus, you know, they do. They do go wrong in a ridiculous manner. Um, But I think there is a lot of patience and admiration and um, love for Pirlo from the people who hired him, not just from his fans. So, uh, you know, I think it would have to be a a really disastrous exit of the Champions League and finishing outside the Champions League places uh, for Pirlo to be fired. I think there were names that uh, the club would like to have hired a few years ago, but they didn't materialise. They they went for Pirlo, and I, I think I would. I think they'll give him time because there is a, a pattern to the way the team play. But I, I, as I say, the round of sixteen of the Champions League is uh, around the corner, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But um, Pirlo has a lot of credit in the bank. He sure
0: does. Uh, Will, did you have a question? Yes.
3: Um... Hi Sheridan, thanks for joining us. I just wanted to ask about uh, Christian Eriksen who I'm sure we're going to be talking about a little bit more later in the show, but obviously he was slightly surprisingly started in a, in that sort of midfield role in that match that you commentated on uh, Tuesday alongside Brozovic as opposed to um, the, the playmaker position where he's been uh, he's been playing in the last few weeks. I wondered I suppose this is a question that's maybe more suited to the Lazio game as opposed to the Juventus one because he showed a lot more against, against Lazio than he did against Juventus, but uh do, do you think that after, you know, twelve months of Conte saying or very much hinting that he couldn't play there, do you think there's reason to believe, given what you've seen in the last week or so, that actually that he can play with Brozovic and that it was just a matter of, I don't know, time or motivation or being a bit more confident? You know, is this is this an actual revival or is this just because he's feeling confident because he scored the winner in the derby and in a month he'll be he'll be back on the bench? Because I think it feels a bit more sustainable the way that he's in the team now um but then some people didn't like the way he played against so i wondered what you made of this this latest attempt to resurrect his his career
4: well the, ericsson's a very interesting case in the sense that there's been so much hearsay about him um i remember speaking quite a lot via whatsapp and um various messages to Nima saying that what everyone says in this city what everyone says in milan is that um Conte didn't even want him. It was a signing by um, Auxilio or someone else within the organisation. So Conte, for quite a while, didn't use him, uh, spoke disparagingly about Eriksson to try and make a point. And then I think he started to realise that actually this guy is quite a good player. He's not the most athletic or obviously he's not the quickest um, and he might need some time to settle in. He came to a country about what a city about three weeks before it became the world capital of COVID. So it can't have been easy for Christian Eriksen either. Um, and and he he went from uh, playing at a club Spurs, where where Mourinho in theory defends or in in private really defends and uh, tries to motivate his players to a place where the the manager. Antonio Conte tried to make it clear to people even on the moon that it wasn't his choice but like you say this could be a turning point I hope it is he's a wonderful player Brozovic you know apparently was uh, fantastic against Lazio so the Brozovic and Eriksen tandem you know might work well they both have very different uh, skills and abilities um, but you know, if I can sort of just mold your question into something else with, all, with all due respects, it's the, the person that people are absolutely crackers about here in the positive sense is, uh, is we, Nicolo Barella.
0: Mm, for sure. I mean, and they have every right to, to do so because he's been, well, right now he's probably the, the best player in the Serie A. He's definitely the best midfielder in the Serie A right now, that is. Um, but, um, I, I, before we let you go, I want I want to hear your thoughts on this incredibly exciting Scudetto race. How do you think it's going to end? Because and, and who do you think will win between Juve and Atalanta
4: in the Coppa Italia? Oh, that's the the, the killer questions always come from the hands of Nima, <laughs> uh, but that's good. That's good. Um, the Scudetto race, it's a really difficult one. Uh, I have been saying I've been saying for ages that. Um, I think Juventus will have too much for everybody because they normally do. You don't win nine in a row, you know, just by chance. Um, Milan were very difficult to explain because, you know, when they had 15 players injured, they were brilliant. They've got a fit squad back now, and they lost to uh, to Spezia. So Milan, it's a difficult one to predict. Inter look like they're on a mission. The old um, Alex or Alec Ferguson siege mentality where everyone's against us, everyone hates us, Antonio Conte has uh, embraced that, let's say. So you know, Inter, Inter now they've got their teeth into top spot, and they have got no cup competitions. Inter, I think, are going to sweat blood. They're going to give absolutely everything to 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 stay at the top. Um, so it's a tough one because I I honestly think that if they can keep everyone fit and they've got a very strong chance because of the because uh, of fewer games, Inter. If they really, really band together and get as stubborn and obstinate and determined and other adjectives that Nima would use in private as Antonio Conte, <laughs> um, they've got a they've got a mass Inter have got a massive chance to bring the Scudetto back to the city of Milan. Uh, AC Milan themselves, these are crucial times. I mean, I, I think I read the other day that they lost more matches this month than they did in 2020. Um, so, uh, you know, I I would honestly, I would not have said this a week ago, but looking at Conte, looking at the celebrations after Lautaro's goal, um, Inter have got an incredible chance. I don't want to say if they, they lose it, they've blown it, but if Inter win the derby, they can only throw the league title away. As for the Coppa Italia, um, I just hope it's an entertaining game to be quite honest. Um, I, uh, I hope Gigi Buffon plays, and the reason for that is that when I commentate on the matches, I wear the headphones, obviously, and get the feed straight from the stadium, and I hear everything Buffon says, and it's very entertaining. Um, so uh, I'm more looking forward to sort of having, uh, you know, a sort of um, really close-up uh, experience of the uh, the fantastic utterings of Gigi Buffon in goal, to be quite honest. I'm looking forward to that more than the... uh the matches, because to, to be honest with you, when you're commentating on matches, you can't really enjoy them. Mm. Um, you know, you have to make sure you don't get names wrong or, or commit any mega mega blunders with uh, names of presidents or players or anything like that. So I hope the final's entertaining. Um, I hope Gigi Buffon um, keeps me entertained, and and that will be enough for me. No, I want to I want to reply. I'm not no. You give,
0: give, who's going to win it? Come on, make a prediction. Who's going to uh, win the Coppa
4: Italia and who's going to win the Scudetto? Um, okay, the scudetto um, is going to be okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Well, you asked for it, Nima, so I'm gonna jinx you. Yes. Inter, oh. Inter, Inter are gonna win the scudetto. Okay.
0: And Milan will be second and third. And third, you have a third, or who's gonna, who's it gonna go? Juventus second, Milan third, Napoli fourth. That's okay.
4: enough. Um And for the Coppa Italia, um, Atalanta are excited and have the Indian are exciting rather and excited. Arguably, I have the Indian sign over um, over Juventus, but in the final, I think Juventus will be far too strong. Their bench will be far too strong, and and if Atalanta lose, it'll make Papu Gomez happy. Hmm. Okay, that's uh, we'll have to wait
0: and see. Thank you so much, Sheridan, for coming on. Um, is there have you got anything else that that's coming up that you want to share or anything? The floor is yours.
4: Well, bless you. Yeah, I tell you what—the the the Champions Journal magazine. I've done some articles Mm. for them in the last few months, and um, and uh, I'd always—it's a relatively new magazine. And into you know, they haven't had the best relationship with the Champions League since winning it, because I know they are the last Italian side to lift it. But yeah, always you know, your listeners and you guys keep an eye out for the Champions magazine, which is called Champions Journal. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't have a a, t- a, a Twitter to undersell anymore. Even, as you know, yeah, I, I, I closed that because I thought, you know, you do. Life is finite, and I'd wasted enough time <laughs> on Twitter. Um, and also, it's not as entertaining with Trump anymore without Trump. Mm. So uh, now, other than that, um, you know, I wish all you guys uh, Inter fans the best for the rest of the season. But I haven't really got m- much more, m- much more to add. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much Jared, and it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. Cheers my pleasure. Bye bye guys. Take care. Ciao. Right, let's talk about uh, the, uh, the the I mean the Juventus game is pretty much it went exactly like we we discussed last week. I don't think there's much to add. It was a game where They kind of cancelled each other out and Juventus, you know, easily and slowly sailed to the final. And that's not really what I want to talk about. And I don't think that's what anyone wants to listen to. What we want to talk about is the fact that Inter are top of the Serie A in February for the first time in 11 years. And they also, after beating a very good Lazio side, uh, who for large parts, I've watched the game twice. I watched the first half three times um, preparing for the show and other things. Um, and I've and, and I what what I can tell you is that from from where I stand, I'm incredibly impressed by how Antonio Conte has got Inter's defense and balance right. That's something I've been hammering on about on this show and elsewhere, the lack of balance. And how Inter can now absorb pressure and press and not crumble and fall apart. And on on and how they go through uh, as as will always like to say, suggestire la partita. They know how to handle these difficult situations in the game, and there were quite a few in the first half against Lazio. But Inter were never panicked. They they were calm, cool, collected, organized, and disciplined. That's all on Antonio Conte. And for him to do so, as we've said, pre- as I've said previously on this show, to do so in these difficult situa- situations when the ownership question is in, when the ownership, when, when who owns the club is under question, when players haven't been paid, when all this speculation about who's going to buy Inter, who's not going to buy Inter, are they going to, are they going to afford, are they going to default, is Inter going to go into administration? All these things going on, to be able to unite and focus a team is absolutely fantastic. But focusing more on the game against Lazio, I'm keen to. I want to start with you, Mo. Um, Watching that, how controlled and cool wasn't that performance? And didn't it remind you a lot of the game against Juve that Inter won in the Serie, A, of course?
1: Yeah, I think uh, it definitely reminded me of uh, uh, a lot of like the type of games that I really like. Um, I can't remember who on Twitter yesterday said I really would. I'll check it up and, and and credit the. But uh, someone said, uh, my, I think it was uh, Andrew Barker, yeah, Andrew Barker said uh, uh, m- my favorite type of match is the type of match where commentators think that inter don't deserve to win, but inter do win anyway. so so really, this is <laughs> like it was a vintage, a vintage uh, gritty uh, performance, I, not even gritty because because I mean, Lazio had a lot of the possession uh, for for whatever reason, uh, the BN slash ESPN commentators. Seem to believe that uh, Lazio yesterday were you know uh, uh, w- w- whatever were 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 the shit on wheels you know they were amazing and everything they everything they did was absolute but really they they had they had very little, Inter's uh, defensive shape was so controlled like you say so balanced and. Uh, I just, I, I really, I really enjoyed this the performance. I don't know if it's close to, uh, if it, it's similar to the Juventus match where we did not give Juventus as much freedom to play their football and shut them out. I think Inter were were much more aggressive. I think yesterday, uh, in in both matches, Conte understood, managed the game extremely well. I think. Uh, uh, the, the, the fact that uh, Lazio con- continued pressing high with their defensive shape, especially after uh, Radu's injury and, and during, during the warm-up, really uh, made sure that Inter would, would really uh, hurt them on the break. But uh, yeah, th- th- there was never, there, for me anyway, beyond the nervousness of the fact that, uh, like, like we had spoken earlier, the fact that uh, Milan had lost uh, against Spezia, the fact that Juve had lost against Napoli, and this was finally Inter's chance to uh, surpass uh, and, and take the top of the take the top of the table. Beyond that general edginess and, and the feeling of the high stakes feeling of the match, I think if you do watch replay the match and watch it, you know alone in a vacuum, you'll find that uh, like you say, it was very controlled. Inter gave Lazio possession. Uh, and just uh, destroy them on the break. So um, I, I, I think when when you look at the Juventus game of a few weeks ago, Inter schooled Juventus by taking control of the match, taking control of possession, uh, really dominating the chances, so on and so forth. But yesterday it was a different different approach, completely to the game. I think it was extremely well uh, uh, well managed, well gestured by uh, Conte. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so no, i I, I think they're both ex- excellent examples, like you say, of a team that's well balanced and well thought out, but different expressions of the same sort of identity and and end goal at the end.
0: We have to talk about the the so called the, the so called controversy surrounding the penalty, which I, I genuinely don't understand. After you look at the replay, how you can still argue it, especially after Simone Inzaghi and Pepe Reina both went out and said that the penalty was clear. But you know, some people will will do that. But I want to ask with you, Mike. Can you can you, can you disperse the doubts as to why it is a penalty? Can you explain why it is a penalty? Because there are a lot of people, you know, because you're you know you've, you've been a referee, you're a FIFA referee. Can you explain why that is a refer- that is a penalty? Yeah,
2: well, I was I was uh, never a FIFA referee, but okay. I was I was pretty up I was pretty up there though. But <laughs> um, listen, I think there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, it's a clear penalty." I don't want to I don't, don't want to go in that realm saying it was a clear as day penalty. No, it was not. Mm-hmm. But but let's let's when you look at the video multiple multiple times, yes. I believe the defender was Wesley Wesley Hout, right? And and yeah. he made a he made a play on the ball. He got the he definitely made you know nice contact with the ball, but it's what the initial contact was. Exactly. The Initial contact was he he made contact with uh, with uh, Lukaku, and that's the most that's the only thing Lotharo, that really matters. Sorry, Lothario, my bad, my bad. With Lothario, that that's the most important part of this whole debacle of people deciding you know whether this was a legitimate penalty. And and at first glance it did look like it was a great tackle and, and myself included I thought oh, yeah, they're going to they're going to they're going to overturn this for sure. Me too. But me too. but I would say I would say once once we got a, a good look at there was one angle that really showed that he definitely yeah. came through the side first and as he was going you could see uh, Lotado going down even before the ball had even been played. So uh, I do think it was like a it was a pretty legitimate tackle. He was going for the ball and everything, but it just it's, you're still responsible for what your body does, and and he made contact, and I think the right call was made. Now, how? Now, here's the big question: is if this was not called a penalty uh, by uh, by Fabri, who the referee was, I'm I'm not 100% convinced they would have overturned it because then you bring into the aspect of clear and obvious error. Yeah. So that's where I think that potentially. Uh, Fabri's decision to call it a penalty right away is why this this stood. Had it been the other way around, I don't think' it's, it, I don't think it's as clear they would have called this a penalty.
0: Mm. And, and I'm glad you say that because to me it is a very tight call, but it's ultimately the right call, um, which I think is which I, I interpret is what you're saying. Um, and, and and I think you know it was one of those nights where in these big matches, in these big games, the episodes, as the Italians call them, are the ones that decide the games. And yesterday the episodes were on Inter's were were, were in Inter's favor and uh, not on and not in Lazio's favor at all. I'm thinking for what, also for Yeah, what? exactly. No, but exactly. And this is this is it. This isn't you know, what I mean by the episodes is I mean, for example, when Brozovic, you know, sweeps the ball, even before it hits Lazzari. Lukaku is onside by the slightest of margins. These yeah. kinds of margins, these tiny details going your way, is is what separated Inter and Lazio, in my opinion. Because the way I see it, this game was decided by those episodes. Not, talk about?
2: Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to cut you off. Do you want to talk about that one as well? Because there was yeah. a, there was a lot a potent there was a potential of there being a crazy controversy with that goal. Mm. Had had uh, Lukaku not say if he was say an inch or two closer to the opponent's goal line and he was in an offside position, there would have been a lot of doubt whether or not that goal would have counted.
0: What about if... Because I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to ask you about that because Brozovic is playing the ball sideways. He's not playing it forward and it's ricocheted uh, off uh, off Lazzari to Lukaku. When the ball ricochets off... uh, like What's the rules there? Can you explain a little bit there?
2: Yeah, so here, sir, so the referee has to determine whether or not the defender, who I believe, was it Lazzari, right? Yeah, Lazzari Lazzari. came off of, yeah. So so he has to determine whether or not Lazzari is making a play on the ball. If he is making uh, a distinct, like, some, some, some sort of action, mm. where if he is directly playing it to uh, Lukaku, who's in an offside position, in that, in that sense, then no, it would not have been offside um but however had it been just a, a regular deflection and Latrice was not aware or just went off him without making any type of movement then we could have definitely looked at um that being in an in an onside position no matter no matter where Lukaku was mm-hmm. so right. if the referee just has to determine whether or not he's making a play on the ball or not and i think that in this situation it would have been so tough and i was thinking about right. it because because at first I was trying to determine. A number one, the most important thing was was whether or not Lukaku was in it was in an offside position or not, and he wasn't. So that yeah, kind of so became a moot
0: point. Yeah, it kind of became a moot point, point. But I yeah. was
2: preparing myself to talk about this because I've seen I've had this situation when I've I've been on the field and I've had this exact same thing happen before, and mm. you basically I've I've had to talk with my assistant referee and say, listen, I'm not 100 percent sure. Do you think that the that the defender made any type of play on the ball to to put it over, or was it just a deflection? If it's just some kind of deflection then and he's offside position, then he's offside. Mm-hmm. But if he makes any type of, 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 of play, then then that's where you're going to get in some, some gray areas. So uh, fortunately, we didn't have to deal with that because this could have been
0: uh, a total mess had it been uh, important uh, in the scoreline. Mm, for sure. And like I said, the episodes, these are the episodes we're talking about. And on this day... Like you said, for once, uh, because Inter have been pretty unlucky, uh, uh, they weren't. They 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 broke in Inter's favor because before that, um, in my opinion, I think this was a very fascinating game tactically between two coaches that put on a brilliant display. Um, and and as Mo wrote in his preview, they remind uh, that these two teams the way they're built and constructed remind a lot of each other. Um, and, and, you know, obviously the, the, so in my opinion, this game is kind of conditioned by those episodes, uh, and Lazio were very, very good. I'm, I'm keen to hear what you think, uh, how you, how you view this, uh, how, how you view this, Will, how you experienced this game. And and do you agree with what I've said or not? Yeah, I mean,
3: I think you can definitely say that Lazio were unlucky to be 2-0 down at half time given the way the game had gone. Um, although if we're going to talk about episodes, we do have to say that, I never thought Lazio were were too likely to score, despite having the ball. And the one goal they did score was a complete fluke as well. Mm. So it's not as if they were completely unlucky in every every department in this match. You know, I don't think we'd have conceded had that free kick not not ricocheted in. Because um, I remember maybe one save from from Handanovic, and it wasn't a, a Handanovic miracle. It was a decent save on like, yeah. it was Immobile in the first half. So I think there's no doubt that Inter are are fair are deserved winners. I agree with um, what Mo was saying about. Uh, when when people don't think we deserve to win, it's maybe more enjoyable because during the first half, the commentators were all were all being very sort of uh, sort of sympathetic, should we say, with Lazio, and uh, and yet we were two 0 up, so uh, that was that was quite enjoyable. But no, I think this was a fantastic win, um, technically, tactically, emotionally. I think there were so many good signs from this performance. Um, Matt Lazio had won six in a row. I feared it a lot, and I was positively surprised because. I think Conte got it all right. You know, the one thing that you can't do with Lazio is leave space in behind your defence. And he didn't do that. So mm. you know, that's the way to play them. You know, you've, you've seen how many times we've seen this season. Immobile being fed by by Luis Alberto or, or Milenkovic or, or him feeding one of the others or, or Caicedo or Correa. You know? And funnily enough, Lazio's goal comes from a free kick, which they won when they did get a counter attack because we'd gone forward. So I think that just mm. proves that that was the perfect way to play the game. Um, it might have looked a bit extreme at times. You know, there was a stat that came up on the on the the, the, the television that I was watching after 75 minutes, which said that we had had 202 passes, 212 passes, sorry, to Lazio's 520. So this was clearly a decision from, from Conte to to give the ball to Lazio and not to press them too high, not to let, uh, sorry, to let Pepe Reina have the ball and to let, to let their defenders come forward. And uh, and expose themselves. Um, so I think he got it right. I wonder if Inzaghi might uh, reconsider his his decision to play um, Wesley Hutt when uh, when Acerbi got injured, rather than maybe Mozakio because that Lulic kind of ex- got
0: injured. Lulic got injur- injured. Stefan Radu got injured in the warm-up, didn't he? Yes. No. Yeah, Radu. Sorry. Sorry. I, yeah. yeah. Radu. I yeah. thought you said yeah. Acherby. Yeah, but it's, sorry, but
3: Chedby moved to the left. Oh, so, yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah, okay. he, because he moved, Chedby would have been in the middle, and then he moved, he put yeah. foot in the middle, too. So, and then you had a Chedby playing this very strange sort of left-back role in the first time. Anyway, no, it was, I think Conte got it all right. Um, yeah, it was just perfect. You know, I think before the game, if you'd said, uh, we're going to win, and we're going to get none of those players booked ahead of the derby, I'd have said, don't be silly, I'll take one of those. But we've ended up getting both. We had some great performances from uh, Perisic, who was really impressive in a defensive sense on Lazzari. Skriniar was fantastic. He was his usual wall. Uh, I've mentioned Ericsson when I spoke to Sheridan. I mean, what what better birthday present could he have wished for yesterday on his 29th birthday? Um, There's so many good things to to talk about. I, I really don't find much at all. Maybe this is the first time, uh, apart from the Aventus game this season, where I can't find anything to criticise in this team. No, there really impressed. isn't.
0: There really isn't. And and, and, and w- w- the thing, I was I was worried when I, I mean, I've said on this podcast er, ever since the Fiorentina game that Barella, Brozovic and Eriksen is my ideal midfield for Inter right now. And I'll, but I but I was unsure if it works against the better teams. Uh, definitely, I wanted to see it against Udinese, Sampdoria, Parma, Bologna. You know, teams that kind of shrink the space and and back and back and defend deep. But I wasn't. I was a bit worried if it would work against the bigger sides, uh, against the top sides, because they're very good and they hurt your any any mistakes you make. And it turned out to be absolutely perfect because I was worried that Sergei Milinkovic Savic would nullify Eriksson. Uh, Christian Eriksson for, for, for pace and for speed and phys- sheer physicality. But that never materialized because for every time, they, the, the, fir- the more they pressed Mar- Mar- Marcelo Brozovic, the more Christian Eriksson showed his intelligence to find space to get the ball and to dictate, especially in the first half, where he completely dictated the tempo of the midfield, playing killer pass after killer, killer pass. And in my opinion, he was the best player on the pitch uh, in the first half. Uh, then in the second half, obviously, Simone Inzaghi adjusted, and 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 Lazio dominated for l- most of the second half without creating anything, uh, because Inter were so sound defensively, as we've already said. But it was it was a fascinating game from so many levels. And um, um I, I, yeah. I
1: want to say uh, something on Eriksson, uh, if that's all right. Sorry to jump in, Nima. Go 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 go. But there there are two things that stuck that stuck out uh, to me in particular. The first is I reckon that uh, the best way to get the best out of Ericsson is not to expect magic out of Ericsson at every point. I think uh, this was uh, something that uh, that we as uh, Interisti, in as uh, pundits, as viewers, as whatever, uh, there's been so much expectation on, on you know every touch being uh, some poetry in motion or whatever. So really it's fine if he has a very strong performance or, or a decent showing or a good game Brozovic does not have uh, a 9 out of 9 match every 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 game not every single assist that he makes is is incredible so not not even Pirlo did that you know so it's it's okay so i think a big part of the problem with Eriksson had been this you know huge expectations a, a level of expectation that's been placed on him on his shoulders and i think that in uh, you know in turn uh, didn't allow him to express himself so well. So I think that, that that's one thing. So like you said yesterday, his his performance was great. It was excellent, but it wasn't it wasn't anything um, phenomenal. It was it was just a very strong showing, you know. The second thing that I noticed yesterday was something that Ericsson was doing, you know, and and we've we'd spoken about Ericsson helping himself, not re, not helping himself, not helping his cause personally. But but I saw some saw him doing some stuff. Especially in the defensive shape, when he was covering off on the left flank, mm. along with Perisic, he would be uh, lying inside, like standing in inside the the in the Inter's 18-yard box. I can't remember. Probably it was probably Milinkovic-Savic then who'd probably pick up the ball. He'd immediately run out to cover and 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 limit his pace and limit his movement. Such defensive awareness and work. The guy didn't do. And, and we make fun of Conte for saying, you know, the, the player doesn't know Italian football and he, he needs to adapt to Italian football. And, but but it's true. These sort mm-hmm. of responsibilities are not expected of you in the Premier League.
0: Absolutely
1: not. So yesterday was the first time I saw Ericsson given a complete team performance, not just uh, performing when he was with the ball or when the team was in, in its offensive shape and he was trying to pick up uh, attackers with passes or whatever. He had a complete performance, as as did Brozovic under you know under the the Spalletti Renaissance. It was mm. it was Brozovic was a bit lost before then, and once he was he found his right position and his right role and responsibilities, he's able to shine. So yeah, these, so these we can are we can things. say yeah. we
0: can say that Christian Eriksson is Antonio Conte is to Antonio Conte what uh, Luciano Spalletti or Marcelo Brozovic was to uh, to Luciano Spalletti um, in that sense that they have kind of rehabilitated them, if we so to speak. Hopefully,
1: because both really of is. them. Because <laughs> if
0: we're perfectly honest, both of them were kind of on the way out before they got rehabilitated, and 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 it was also a championship year where where the World Cup in Russia, where Brozovic was integral in taking in taking uh, Croatia to the World Cup final. You know, Denmark fans. Yeah. Nice omen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Brozovic was on a plane in January that season, yeah. going to Seville. I mean, <laughs> yeah.
3: it was. We had that story that almost sounded like I remember on that deadline day. It was there was someone that said like basically Spalletti has gone on the plane and dragged him off it was like he was <laughs> literally on the runway and uh, he was on deadline day and decided that i it's would pay kid. there
0: is no amount of money in this world that i am not willing to pay to watch luciano spalletti running into a runway at an airport <laughs> chasing marcelo prozovich and dragging him off the plane like if this happened please let there be yeah. video coverage of this
2: let's like call this. let's call and see if they still got it uh <laughs> a CCTV i mean
0: yeah. th- this this has to be seen any any footage of yeah. Spalletti needs the, the world needs this
1: <laughs> I, I i love that not case so much
0: me too so he's much. out of his mind i love him yeah. i mean the, you know his him his duck snow white <laughs> Is you know the the the, you know when he sits under this weird tree, which has got like (laughs) it looks like an art installation with football shirts and stuff hanging around, it's just he's so. I I love him, absolutely love him. He's out of his mind, and 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 him and Rocco Comiso at Fiorentina, please, football gods, make this happen like this. We need this, we need this entertainment.
3: And it's his two Champions League qualifications that's helped us. Be top of the table today. I think we should exactly. always yeah, give a nod to to Bucciano. But uh, I oh. thought Conte's comments on um, on Ericsson yesterday were very significant because mm. I think he was pretty much saying what what Mo said about how this was his first team performance. You know, he said, you know, he's got an angrier leg, which I thought was a nice turn of Italian, mm. um, sort of trying to uh, talk up his his uh, newfound sort of aggression or intensity. But also saying, you know, I'm much calmer now when I, I know I feel much calmer picking him. You know, these are things that. A month ago, mm-hmm. you'd never have dreamed of hearing him say. So I think it's really encouraging. And, you know, if Arturo Vidal is not fit for that derby on Sunday, who's to say that he won't stay? You know, in the last seven days, he started against Juventus and, and Lazio. and These are matches that we kind of assumed he'd never feature in for as long as he stayed here. And
0: I'm glad suddenly
3: you, things are changing.
0: I'm glad you said that, because let's move on to that derby, because this is the first scuderby that Inter and Milan are playing in, in the in, in the spring or late winter. Um in for for 10 years. The last one was obviously the t- 10-11 season when Milan beat Inter 3-0 and in what Leonardo wanted re- referred to as the maledetta settimana, the the damned week where Inter where his quattro due fantasia Turned out to be 4 due stoccazzo against basically costing Inter the league and gifting away a quarterfinal, sorry, say, well, yeah, quarterfinal place in the Champions League by by hemorrhaging to Schalke two five, um, uh, by by playing that ridiculous formation that he did. Uh, I was playing... at that
2: game. I was at yeah.
0: that game. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen that on your social media. Yeah. I feel bad for you. You I mean you got to see the most beautiful goal by an Inter player probably ever. When it, 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 I mean, Dejan Stankovic scores a, that volley from. from I mean, what is that? <laughs> it's, it's you got that is absolutely insane. Great um, memories
2: and some bad ones from that game. That's
0: for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's classic Inter, isn't it? There's no in between. It's either it's it's that was the most Inter thing ever. It's like the most beautiful goal ever, and then heartbreak. Um, so no, but I mean that this is the last time Inter, play, inter and Milan played a Scuderby. Uh, that, that game in, uh, Milan won Antonio Cassano, uh, Ibra and Pato. But now now I think I feel with inter passing Milan and Mil- and, and Milan, the performance they had against Spezia, uh, that was the worst performance I've seen from Milan since Atalanta destroyed them uh, before Ibrahimovic signed. That was absolutely unwatchable. They are completely out of form. Um, I mean, if, 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 if that game is anything to go by, I doubt that they will approach the Derby in the, in the same way, uh, for I absolutely am certain they won't. But it absolutely create, raises some interesting questions, and it changes the mentality of this game going into it because before that, you know had, had Milan won, Inter would have been chasing the game. Now Milan are chasing the game. Because they they have to be inter to go ahead. Um, I the only thing I'm worried about, and this is this is the this is the uh, this is what I don't want. I do not want a draw between those two teams, because if they draw, Juve will win the title, no doubt in my mind. Because they will they they will, they they'll be they'll only be three points potentially behind both of these teams, having to play both of these teams, and that's just classic Juve just rubbing their hands. Uh, when when the titles are decided and 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 put in the put in a run, I don't I don't want a draw, and that's my biggest fear. That I think that we will see a draw. Uh, what about you, Mo? Where are you on this?
1: Yeah, um, so squeaky bum time. You know, it's uh, it's difficult to to really dissociate uh, um, expectation from desire, from fear of jinxing, from whatever. It's it's very complicated. Uh, It's very complicated if you overthink it. I think quite simply we're the better team. So so this is how I looked at the Lazio game. You know, uh, Lazio are in form, uh, six six match winning streak, uh, so on and so forth. But the teams are very similar man for man, except that when you tally both sides up, Inter are better at every at almost every at every position. So. You know, objectively, the better team should win, and in fact, this is what happened in, at the end. I think if you look at it objectively, form Milan form aside, uh, the 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 absolute tear they'd been they'd been on until very recently. Uh, just put all of that stuff aside. If you just look at this Milan side, at their coach, at at, at where they are in their project, um, at at how the first. The first derby went earlier in September October. I can't remember which month it was. I, I think Inter should definitely win this game. Should, especially since even though it's an away derby, it played behind closed doors. There's no, uh, there's no uh, uh, fan um, advantage in the stadium. So I, I think objectively, we're, we're a better team. We're in better form. We are peaking at the right time. Um, I, I think Milan will actually have to play a, a midweek uh, Europa League game as well against uh, Stankovic
0: uh, Red Belgrade.
1: Uh, yeah, Red against uh, Belgrade. against uh, I don't know how to pronounce the the, the name the Serbian name. but uh, Vizda.
0: Think, yeah,
1: they rebranded Red now. Tell but, him yeah. to be aggressive, Deki. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go so, Red Star. So uh, I I think I I honestly think you know. Uh, putting my jitters, my personal jinx fears aside, I think this should be a, a, a convincing, commanding win for Inter. Um, but because it's a derby, because because it's such a loaded thing, I'm I'm very worried to, to, to predict something too... Uh, I'm too nervous to predict something too uh, much in Inter's favor. But um, yeah, so I, I, I'll go for a, a tight Inter uh 2-1 win with uh, dirty Ibra scoring a goal anyway. <laughs> he's definitely scoring. You know he's scoring, and we know. No, that no, is no, my, no, no! Thank God, <laughs> thank God, he's not marked by of Thank God, Bastoni's on. The pitch.
0: <laughs> well, that, that's you know, what so, I was going to say. I mean, we—that's we, that, something else that I wanted to praise Conte for because Brozovic, Barella, and Bastoni, the three Bs, they were so controlled and disciplined. They was, the, it was, they didn't even go. It, it wasn't even close to yellow card. They were so concentrated and disciplined, and that's clearly Conte probably threatening to kill them or something if they did something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, but God bless him for that because I, I, I was that was that's what I was nervous about after that three-one goal. I was like, To Antonio, please for the love of God, take off Barella, Bastoni, or Brozovic, or preferably all three, and he didn't, and and it was the right move because there was no need for it. Um, but I do think that there's no doubt in my mind that Ibrahimovic will score, and I think Lukaku will score as well, and this is this is. I, I still can't shake off the feeling that Juve will win this scudetto, and and that's why I think it's going to be a one-one. I'm hoping Inter win three-one, but I think it's going to be one-one, and I think it's going to be Lukaku and Ibra, Ibrahimovic to score. Let me put it to you this way: I will officially ascend uh, to 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 Mo's Inter. Inter are going to win the scudetto uh, ship side of this ship. If and I've I've been looking at this Inter play Milan, Genoa, and Parma away. Milan play Inter, Roma and Fiorentina before the before the uh, the, the international break uh, or or I think it's just just around then. At which point if Inter go into the following game after these three against Atalanta with a 5 to 7 point advantage over Milan or whoever yeah who who or whoever is in second place, I think Inter have a good shot. I think Inter are the favorites to win the scudetto. Absolutely. But getting there is 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 the difficult part. Um and I think that the draw is is where I... This is what I fear the most, a draw. It will feel like a defeat for me, uh, a draw. Because this is, uh, as I said, the Juventus are just rubbing their hands if it's a draw. Uh, so th- that's where I am on that. What about you, Will? Where are you uh, results-wise? Uh, and what do you, th- what, what do you expect to see?
3: Well, I don't think it will be a blowout win as much as I would like that. I can't believe that Milan will be... Uh, anything like as lifeless as they were against uh, Spezia at the weekend. We heard reports today that uh, you know Ibra is furious, and there's been meetings at Milanello between him and Pioli to to have an inquest in what on earth went on. So you've got to expect some kind of reaction. Um, and you know, I joked about the Europa League, but they're going to play a very weakened team, so I don't think that'll have a a huge impact that Europa League match um, on uh, on what happens in the derby. So I, I expect a very tough match. That's uh, in the balance, uh, pretty much right until the end. I think that I agree with Moen that we, we should win this match. you know we are we are a better team on paper and we're in better form. Um, and you know we're now top of the table, so it's it's up to Milan in, in in a sense to try and to try and force the issue if if it is a draw heading into the last 20 minutes and and that might help us. So I think it's all it's all set up quite well. I think we've proven in the last couple of months or so, Pretty much ever since we had that discussion pre Juventus about how we didn't have uh balls basically in the big matches, we've done it. We've beaten Juventus, we've beaten Milan in the Cup, and we've beaten we've done beaten Lazio as well. And and none of them were particularly, you know, fluky. You know, the Milan game was close, but I think we all agree that we were the better team for most for of sure. that game. So, and you know, this these these weren't repeats of that match against Napoli where we were hanging on against ten men. So that's there's definitely been a real kind of improvement um in these last few weeks. And that makes me more confident. That makes me more um uh, secure going into a match like this. Personally, I don't think you know if it is a draw. And obviously, with with you know with predicting results, you need to see what happens. You know, if into a one 0 up with ten minutes left, then of course, no, a draw is not a good result. But in in a, in a overarching sense, given the fixtures that we have coming up, I don't think it's it's I don't think it's no, no any longer uh, a result that would leave me you know devastated because the, the the calendar is going to flip in the next few weeks. You know, i have got. Milan have uh, Roma, Napoli. Um, And of course, them and Juventus, this is the one thing we haven't spoken about yet, Them and Juventus both have Europe coming up, and we don't. So we're now entering the period of the season where we should have the advantage that that Lazio had last season until the lockdown came along, because they have one game a week and all the advantages that that brings. So I think a draw is decent. I think definitely if I'm going to back one team, if I had to write one uh, team's name on a, on a piece of paper to win the league, it, it is Inter. As much as that terrifies me to say it, I think all the, the evidence at the moment does point towards it. Um, but I, I think we might edge this. I've got, I think I agree with you with Lukaku and, and Ibra. They're both going to be really uh, fired off after what <laughs> happened a few weeks ago. Incidentally, we heard today that Lukaku has, has had his interview with the, the federation as part of their inter- investigation into this match. We think we're going to get a, a verdict after the derby. Uh, next week. So, you know, they're, they're both going to be very keen to to do their talking on the pitch. But I think in addition to Lukaku and Ibra, we're going to have Barella on the score sheet as well, uh, who again was sensational in that match against Lazio. Um, so I, I feel, you know, I don't like being optimistic ahead of derbies. You know that there's always this tra- uh, train of thought that when you're the favourites heading into the derby, it's it's a problem because uh, then the other team are going to turn you over. But no, I, I feel reasonably, I don't think we're going to lose. Let me say that. No, not mm. least because for the first time in a derby this season, we will have Bastoni and not Kolarov, which
0: is mm. big.
3: And we have a Perisic who, unlike in October, looks pretty good now. So mm. I'm feeling cautiously optimistic.
0: So Bastoni giving away a penalty and getting sent off in the third minute. then is Yeah, that and then leading the way for a 3-0 <three> defeat. <laughs> as you the, do, as you as do. As you do, as you yeah. do yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right, Mike, I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs>
2: well, look... Uh, 2 months ago I was pretty I was pretty upset that Inter went went out of Champions League and and you know whenever they go out of Champions League I'm I'm pretty upset for a couple of days but right now I think it's a blessing I'm telling you right now I feel so confident that Inter only has to worry about the Scudetto right now while mm-hmm. Juve and Milan still has other competitions going on and I think that's going to be the determining factor down the stretch and I'm I'm f- that's why I'm feeling confident right now. I haven't felt this confident in a long time. This was a perfect weekend. It was, it was ultimately everything went right. Um, I don't think if there's a draw in this match, which is, I mean, it's very, very possible. I think it's it's a little more possible than the, the, the than the odds are going to give us. But I don't think it's uh, the worst case scenario. I think I think that uh, it's. I, I would not be feeling that much. You know, I won't be upset if there's a draw. Put it that way. I'll feel a little bit disappointed. I won't be upset. Now, I think we're at the point now where you know Milan have over overachieved a lot this year. Where I don't think they're the contender for the Scudetto anymore. And I know like they're only two points or just just behind Inter now, but I, I think that it's it's between Inter and Juve. Uh, I think Juve's schedule the next the next month is ex- extremely favorable for them, and I don't see how they don't pick up. You know, nine points in their next in their next three games. So I think they're going to be right on our on our tails. That's that's why I think getting three points in this game is so important. However, uh, that being said, I think the draw is probably for me the most likely scenario, and uh, a one-one or a two-two game is where I'm leaning. Um, and screenyar are coming off of probably. I mean, I, I watched the game again this morning against Lazio, and I have gotta say, I think that's his best game of the season, if not one of his best, he was a wrecking machine. So I'm going to go with him to score against Milan on a, on a corner, uh, on a header in this game.
0: Okay. Um, I'm, um, all this. Po- yeah. Okay. <laughs> I hope you're right.
3: I <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to ruin this positive idea. No,
0: I don't. I really don't. I really, really don't. And, 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 and I, no, no, I, I really, really don't. And, um, I, uh, I, I'm not as confident because uh, this is you know this is a different animal this isn't the school this isn't the seria that we've seen for the past 15 20 years this is a seria the ones that are more like the ones that more and I used to watch when we grew up and that's a completely different animal and logic would say that' give well, given everything that has happened inter should go on and win this game but I I, I don't think I don't you know there's something that just doesn't compute in my head about this and the um i don't know and the derby is always special uh, regardless of you know late league table position but it's going to be incredibly fascinating it's going to be there's going to be fireworks Uh, it's going to be passionate it's it's going to be entertaining I, i think it's going to be two games i think it's going to be two teams that go out there to win that's what I think. I don't think either of these teams is happy with a draw. I think both of them realize a draw is is a defeat for both of them in terms of it's a gift for Juve, and I don't think they want that. I think both of these teams want to win, uh, and and I think that's what maybe might can they might cancel each other out that way. But I hope I hope it doesn't happen. As I said, I, I think one one, but I hope three one. Um, but uh, anyway, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football starting with The Positivity was presented by Mr. Positivity, Mr. Mohamed Massa he's, He works a lot he's intelligent and uh, he surprises uh, people
1: sometimes with his uh, ideas not easy to find one person all this, uh, this. My goodness, what uh, like, uh, what a a week to pick uh, from. It's it's uh, there's so much to choose from, so I, I'll give a, a few honorable mentions. First of all, I'd like to say that this is the first time I got a special a request from uh, a listener for a, a for a Murati of the week, uh, but it was my choice. But it'll be one of the honorable mentions. Honorable mentions are the uh, the Antonio Conte bird Tanielli. It's phenomenal. I mean, this man has given us so much content. We joked about it last time I was on, I think. So much content has been, you know, uh, from squirming on the bench when he was suspended to porca troia, vita," you know, to you know, the whole. The,
0: Arduro, gioca, gioca in e ombrello, cazzo! <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. It, it, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been amazing content by the, the Conte machine. <laughs> uh, then there's the, the what Michael was, Michael was just talking about, the screen yard stop uh, against Lazio. That that was just so commanding, so confident, so perfectly placed. Timing was amazing. He just shut the ball down. It was it was it was perfect. That, that, that alone deserves a mention. That and one was, again
2: uh, that one on Korea, right? That was the one in, yeah, the, exactly. in the first half.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't think I've ever half. seen it,
2: seen a, a better defensive play like this season by like he read that play so well. Mm. It was Except, perfect and it saved a goal. It saved a goal.
1: So yeah, surgical surgical placement of the foot, you know, like surgical placement but extremely um, physical as well like the the, the ball was not moving the, the 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 entire momentum of the attack just got shut down so so that that, that particular move and then there's the the listener request which was the uh, the Lukaku run and assist to uh, lautaro which that was phenomenal phenomenal art. like art. poetry piece, in
0: motion speech. poetry in motion you know
1: like blowing blowing Past Parolo with sure, you know, like, and not just speed, speed and physicality to be able to put him behind them and make sure he he covers the ball and then picking up Lautaro's run without without showing the defenders that he's uh, looking at him so that no one covers Lautaro. Makes they all make sure that uh, all the attentions are given is is on Lukaku. He manages to really slide the ball. It was a perfect perfect goal. Amazing amazing goal. But for me. My Moratti of the week is the fact that the three B's come into the derby with no suspensions. Yes. You spoke about that uh, and how Conte must have really, you know, drilled it in their minds on how to play. And we're talking about, particularly in Brozovic and Barella's case, guys who are, you know, they really throw themselves about. This is is part of how they contribute positively to the team. And for them to have a decent performance, like a very strong performance against Lazio, both players where you don't feel like they're holding back but still be aware and responsible to the point where they, they don't pick up. I mean, I, I, you, you've seen Brozovic's uh, body language when he gets frustrated at calls, increasingly reckless challenges as much as, matches, you know, as he loses tackles and then eventually he picks up a yellow by, by accumulation of errors. None of that, none of that against Lazio. So I think the fact that we get we go into the derby with Bastoni, Barella and Brozovic in light of how uh, on a nice edge their fates were, uh, is probably my Marathi of the Week this week.
0: Amen. Amen. Uh, I just have a special mention as well. I think sportsmanship uh, is, is is something that is quite often lost in this day and age. And I think what Peperina and Simone Inzaghi did, saying that it was a penalty, uh, was was important. It was very classy. Even though I absolutely love the fact that Simon Ninzaki was so upset that even though he said that it was a penalty, he was still annoyed with the referee for not going and checking using VAR to see if it was a penalty. So he wasn't upset with the outcome. He was upset with, with, the term, with how, it was, how, how, how that decision came to be, which I absolutely love about him, the fact that he's so cranky. Um, right, let's move on to something much more uh, comical this week's Frog, which was represented by Mr. Michael Gallo.
2: all right so i saw this and i and i yesterday and i just i i had to do it. it it was just i i laughed my my ass off and yesterday was valentine's day and you know when you log on to social media yesterday you'll be seeing well, lots of pictures of flowers and pictures of people putting their you know their, their loved ones on it you know i spending another year with my valentine you know, so happy to be with them and, you know, it, it, it really makes us, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, more posts, more posts, all this stuff. And it just gets overwhelming. You're just like, I, you just shut off social media for a while. So but I saw this one post that I really intrigued me. It was from Blythe Matwidi, And he posted a picture of his wife saying uh, Happy Valentine's Day. But he did a screenshot of the picture. Instead of posting a picture of of him and his wife, and you can see in the screenshot on Twitter that he actually went on Google and typed in Matuidi's girlfriend on Google, and instead of having a picture of him saved on his phone, it actually is him googling his his wife, <laughs> and it says and it literally says in the search bar, Matuidi's wife, and and then he he tweeted the screenshot. But he included the Google part where it says between his <laughs> wife. And, and I don't know, I guess he didn't notice or he might have deleted it afterwards. I don't know, but I saw it. I'm like, doesn't this guy have a picture of his wife on it saved on his phone? He had to Google a picture of his wife. And uh, I'm not I, again, I don't know if, if he realized it uh, at first or a while, but like it's just you know, you gotta have a picture of your wife on your phone. It just has to happen. Unless you've got, you know, <laughs> unless you don't love your wife. So he actually had to go on Google and, and find a picture of his wife. And he actually looked in the search bar and it says, Matweedy's wife. And sure enough, the first that picture is... that came up, he he posted on Twitter saying this is it. But the Google search bar is there. Oh, too.
0: God. It's so crazy. That's so <laughs> embarrassing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, that is that is quintessentially frog behaviour. Uh, right, let's move on to something much more negative, this week's Moji, which will be presented by Mr William Beckman.
3: Yeah, this week's Moji is very much on brand, uh, respecting the, the historical roots of the Moji, um, because it's Juventus. <laughs> Do you believe it? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we touched on it earlier in the in the the show, the um the rather strange and bizarre circumstances that followed uh, the match in the Coppa Italia. So I just, you know, I just wanted to give a collective shout out to to you and everything they sort of concocted around that match on on Tuesday. I mean, we don't we don't know everything that went on. None of us were stood in the stands, um, but. Um, you know certainly a lot of the reports that have come out since that match have suggested that Juventus kind of had a plan to try and disrupt uh, Antonio Conte uh, on the bench during that match um there was there's been talk that the the the, the, the provocations and the, the insults that he was subjected to were kind of from minute 1 as opposed to something that was triggered by uh, an incident uh, during the game um we have heard that potentially Andrea Agnelli has been uh, very unpleasant to Conte, uh, both during the match and after the match when he came down uh, to uh, quote-unquote celebrate Juventus's uh, qualification to the final. You've got players on the Juventus bench who have been reportedly peppering him with uh, unpleasant words. You've got Leonardo Bonucci, who somehow had the cheek to tell Conte to respect the referee <laughs> after Lautaro uh kicked Bernadeschi's leg and, and was correctly not given a penalty. But um you had Conte apparently being called a clown and potentially uh something worse by Agnelli. Um so that was all you know that was what that was the context of his middle finger at halftime which obviously he was very good to apologize for Conte in his um his press conference but he did make it clear that he was he was provoked. Um, funnily enough, none of that went into the fourth official's match report after the game, which is so, uh, really shocking. Uh, it really shocked me to my core that Daniele Kiffy didn't, uh, having having assured Conte that he'd heard everything, somehow none of that made it into uh, the official's report, which is why the Federation have had to open an investigation themselves. But it, it doesn't stop there, because you then have other stories that <laughs> come out on Wednesday. or was it? I think this one was Friday, actually, when uh, there was a, the the... the, the one of the pitch side reporters for, for Rai Sport, who was at the game, um, gave us some context to this middle finger that Conte had been shown to to be giving to Agnelli. He says that uh, he went back into his production van after the the match to find out what having seen that this video was on social media of Conte giving Agnelli the finger. And he wanted to know why it hadn't gone out on, on Rai, why they hadn't shown it. In their post-match coverage. And it turns out they didn't have those images because the camera that picked up Conte doing his unpleasant gesture was a Juventus camera mm. that they had fixed on Conte for this match, which kind of sounds like a kind of spy big brother job that they've done on him. Um because this
0: is, you, what, well. this is what they this always do, Will. This is what they always do. This isn't new. This is what they've, they've always done. done. Yeah, and that, that tallies
3: <laughs> with this with what you've heard from from inter-sources who've used the word trap when they've spoken to the me, you know, the, creating the atmosphere for Conte to be annoyed, filming him so that any reaction is suddenly um, tweetable. Whereas obviously none of the Juventus insults made it into, into the social <laughs> media no. world. And then of course, number three, the, the, the third part of this lovely trilogy of, of hatred and uh, bile is Fabio Paratici, who had two different uh, stories written about him this week. Firstly, there were claims which have been denied. That he threatened to hit uh, Lili Oriale, our team manager, in the yeah. in the dress in the tunnel at half time, um, saying, you know, T- Oriale supposedly was telling Juventus players, officials, whoever's in the tunnel to sort of lower the temperature, and Paratici responded apparently by saying, uh, "Stay clear, otherwise I might hit you." And then, obviously, we got this unconfirmed story that was going around in Milan that. He's been he's been trying to tap up Niccolò Barella for God knows how long how, um, since he since he joined Inter 18 months ago And this was supposedly part of Conte Norialli's anger because Barella obviously reported this to them um, So, you know, just just the whole just the whole <laughs> smorgasbord of, of crap I That's absolutely this love this This,
0: this is Juve we Inter. You get, like again I keep saying this as I told you privately as well like this is the Inter and Juve drama that we've grown up with. To me, the past 20 years, the past 15 years have been nothing. It's been it's been it's been it's been like it's been a cakewalk. This is this is Inter and Juve. This is how they behave when they when they are both going for titles. And and and, and I absolutely love it. I, I I hate the sanitization of football. I hate this, you know, the corporate uh, the answers where everything is so sanitized, and the, the the most difficult questions they ask is what's your favorite color and do you prefer pizza or pasta. I I like this, you know this is this is the city I grew up with, and I love the animosity, I love the pettiness, I I eat this up, I I love it, and I love how inter reply. I love how Juve then go on the attack again and then how they use their different media connections to, to, to disrupt each other. I just love it. I just absolutely love it. And I wish that Inter would do the same. I wish they would have a camera planted on Andrea Agnelli and Paratici and uh, especially Paratici because his behavior during the games is, is 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 pretty interesting. So return the favor. You know, that's the only way. If you, if you, if you let bad behavior go unpunished, you're kind of condoning it. So uh, yeah, I want them. I want Inter to return the favor.
3: And let's remember that obviously, Juventus versus Inter will take place on Match Day 37 of the 38 game league season.
0: And you wonder why, Mo? I think that you are going to win the title. I mean, this has got 97, 98 written all over it.
3: Right. May the 16th. (laughs) Clear
0: your diaries. (laughs) Yes. Or or fill them, (laughs) (laughs) whichever whichever (laughs) whichever you prefer. No, I mean that going into that game, Inter have to be at least four points clear if they if they're going to win the title because they're not going to win that game. It's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. it's not going to and happen. And
3: of course, they, they play Milan two weekends before that. So yeah. they, even if even if Juventus are somehow out of the title race, they will be the kingmakers.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: In this exactly. in this they yeah. can't be irrelevant until the final no. day of the season. Whatever no. happens.
0: No, so. That's 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 how the cookie is crumbled this time. Um, that's all we had time for this 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 week. Uh, I'd like to thank Sheridan. I'd like to thank you, Mr. Michael Gallo. Always a pleasure to have you on and explain the details of of refereeing and inter and gen, intergenerally.
2: A pleasure to join you guys again. Great week, perfect week for us. And uh, let's hope that we get a big derby win on mm. the weekend.
0: For sure, uh, Mr. Mohamed Nasser.
1: Yeah, fantastic episode. Looking forward to the derby. Uh, very strange to have a full week of no uh, no Inter uh, for the first time in a long time. Mm, so looking sure. forward to a bit of calm before the storm.
0: <laughs> and Mr. William Beckman.
3: Thank you. Stay tuned to sempreinter.com for all the build-up to this school derby. And if Inter are sold for 10 euros in the meantime, we'll <laughs> let you know. So please uh, stay tuned.
0: Until next week, I'm your host Nima Tavale Ruzzari wishing you a good week, three points, a derby win, and sempre a solo forza in